1: And you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. How's it
2: going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. You can find me putting all of my DallasBasketball.com work and other Mavs commentary on my Twitter page at Dalton underscore uh, Today, we have a very special guest. Uh, for you guys, he's a first-time now step-back guest. Uh, we probably should have done this, you know, a whole lot sooner uh, than now. But it's the voice of the Dallas Mavericks, Chuck Cooperstein. Coop, how you doing, man? How's your summer been?
1: All good, Dalton. Really good. It's uh, been lovely. Lots of golf. It's actually gotten a little bit better. And uh, but now we're we're ready to go play basketball. You know, at least see basketball, and at least we're uh-huh. seeing basketball early and seeing our guy do just. Uh, our guy type of things, right? It's been truly uh, certainly the last uh, 48 hours uh, has been uh, extraordinary and, and actually really nice to see, because frankly, I think to that point, he had not played great. He had had moments where he had been great, but uh, there was never that single minded, single minded, you know, minute one to minute 40 in this case, that like he was not going to be denied. And, you know those were two huge games that uh, Luca played uh, against Germany and France. Uh, you know, two meaningful games. Uh, you know, one playing in Germany, basically a road game, if you will, and having been skunked uh, nine days earlier and having played very poorly in that game. He and the entire team, and then uh, obviously there was a um, a little bit of revenge, I would say, uh, for the for the loss in the Olympics to France. But um, I, I think he just has this way and all the great ones do of knowing what the moment is and knowing what he needs to do in that moment where, you know, and you, you wish every game would be like that, which is why he's so great in the playoffs. Why it's so much fun to watch him in the playoffs where in the regular season, it would be very easy just as it might be during uh, times in group play uh, at Eurobasket uh, or even some of the warm-up games leading into Eurobasket where he would feel maybe a little bored. You know he he needs something to amuse him and so uh, or something to focus him and these last two days saw that, and I think it just it should give every Maverick fan a sense of incredible anticipation, not so much even for open night against Phoenix, but really ultimately uh when the games get big uh in April that's like you know that yeah, you might not have the best team, you might not have the best roster uh top to bottom. But you might have the best player. And in a lot of situations, that's all it takes.
2: Yeah, it's been incredible to watch Luca at Eurobasket, and especially since, you know, he did it in back-to-back days. You know, it was was a back-to-back Germany and France. The Germany game, and I I said this before that one happened, you kind of got the sense that, you know, he was going to do something big for that one because they got embarrassed the last time they played Germany in the uh, World Cup qualifying match. I think they lost by almost 20 in that one. So 80, then – 90
1: to 71. I mean, they, you know, a team that basically averages nearly 90 a game was held yeah. to 71 <laughs> and, uh, and, and really kind of got pumped. I mean, they really did. They, they got beat up defensively. Germany really got after them, and they had no response.
2: So to come out and score 36 in that game, I believe, and then the following day to go out and – you know, score a Eurobasket record, 47 points against France. And then he had that incredible one-legged off-balance three against Rudy Gobert that just sent Mav's Twitter into a frenzy. Like, I I still don't think people are down from that, you know, this, this, well, I say this morning, this afternoon, uh, the following day, but, Man, I mean it, it it just you never get tired of it. It's like you're not surprised that it happens. Right. But it's still like so new and fresh every time you see it. It's amazing. And I I like I, you, I, I think he's in for a great season, Coop. He he looks like he's in the best shape he has been in since what we saw in the uh the Orlando bubble a few
1: years ago. Well, look, here here's the thing I think that people need to realize about Luca. I think it's pretty evident that he will never be cut. You know, he, he will never look athletic, particularly athletic. And yet he is extraordinarily athletic. You know, we, we associate athleticism with running and jumping and, you know, quick twitch and, and all that kind of stuff. And yet you look at how he plays and his stopping and starting and change of directions. Uh, it, it, is that not athleticism? I mean, clearly it's athleticism. So he's, he's plenty athletic. He just displays it in a much different way. And I thought the best quote of all this, uh, you know, in the last, uh, certainly what happened yesterday, uh, Wednesday, but uh, you know, really in, uh, the Germany and France came together, it came from uh, Sasha Sekulich's coach when he says, you know, he, you know he, he does this so much that people think it's normal. We all think it's normal. This is not normal. <laughs> and I think that is uh, maybe something that should be the hashtag. Uh, for all of us who you know watch him 82 games a year, watch him in the playoffs, and you know expect that he's going to do this stuff, and uh, and maybe not be so surprised. And yet, the fact is, we should be surprised because people just don't do this.
2: Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, look, the in all three of his postseason so far, he's just been unbelievable. I mean, his first, right out of the gates, his first ever playoff game. I think it was a record for, you know, a playoff debut with 42 points. You right. know, so, so right out of the gates, you know, he's he's just been incredible and he shows up in the biggest moments. And like you mentioned, you know, yeah, you wish the – people wish the Mavs had had, you know, an overall better offseason than what they did. You obviously hate to lose a guy like Jalen Brunson to the New York Knicks. Uh, but, you know, they did go out and they traded for Christian Wood. Uh, there's questions about him, you know, on the defensive end. But as far as his overall talent, his athleticism, I mean, there's no questions there. He's shown, you know, what he can do there. So, and he's in the first uh, true winning situation of his career this year too. There's a lot of extra motivation for him. He's in a contract year, uh, so I mean, you got him. You got JaVel McGee who bolsters the the big man depth there. Uh, the only thing is, you know, Luca he covers up. You know many roster holes. He can he can take a, a roster that's not really complete top to bottom and still you know have you advance as far as the Western Conference Finals like what we saw last season. Uh, but you know it's just looking at this roster right now, Coop. It seems like, in my opinion, that they still need a guy to be a secondary playmaker off the bench, and I, I feel like I've been a broken record this whole offseason saying that, but I mean, I, I talked with Mark Cuban a few weeks ago and he was really high on Frank Nilekina. and I like Frank. I think he's, you know, really, uh, really energetic defender. I've, I feel like he's more of like a three and D type guard though, and not really a, a playmaker and distributor. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that is something the Mavs need to address before the season starts? Or do you see, you know, some of these guys on the roster, you know, rookie Jaden Hardy, uh, you know, Josh Green, you know, somebody like that kind of morphing into what the Mavs need off the bench?
1: Well, I don't see Jaden Hardy in that role at all. (laughs) I'll I'll be, you know, I'll be stunned if Jaden Hardy sees a whole lot of time. Uh, I mean, I think we all saw in the summer, yeah, he's got athleticism, but he's got to figure out a lot of things about playing in the NBA. And, I mean, you know, there's a – he was a a, a very highly – thought of player coming out of high school, you know, went to ignite, had his moments. And I do love how the Mavericks handled him in the summertime that, you know, basically they turned that team over to him. And, you know, there were some moments while, what, while they didn't win any games out there, there were enough close games and and late game situations, put the ball in his hands. Okay, kid, what can you do? And we saw, you know, there is some stuff that he needs to work on. So, um, I'm I'm not so much sold on him, uh, but the concept of another uh, ball handler, uh, I do think is very real, um, and I think you know the best version of the Mavericks last year was Luca, Brunson, and Dinwiddie, and basically having the ability to have two of them on the floor at any one time to to help create, and if nothing else, you know when when. Those other two guys who were on the floor with Luca. You no, know, Luca didn't always have to have it in his hands at the initiation of the action. You know, there were a lot of times where they would start him down on the low block, start him down on the left block, and have him come up and you know, come off the screen, and get the, get the ball that way. So just something that takes it out of his hands for a little bit before you ultimately allow him to create. Um, uh, I, I do think that ultimately the, the Mavericks will will probably see you know, that was the best version of themselves last year and that they don't have that right now. And, you know, I think they'll see that they probably need something of that ilk. Now, again, is you know, is, is Tim Hardaway able to initiate stuff? Uh, Could somebody like Tyler Dorsey, you know, who I, you know, I don't know if you were going to get into him, but uh, he's been fabulous over in Greece, uh, over at uh, Europe basket playing for Greece, Um, you know, and he can really shoot the ball and, you know, The bottom line on all of this is, you know, can you the answer to the question, can you shoot? And if you can, if you can shoot, you're going to find your way on the floor. And yes, I know, you know, Jason very much wants to defend, and you know, the the Mavericks' defensive uh, improvement last year was a huge part of their overall improvement. But ultimately, uh, you've got to be able to get the ball in the basket, and you've got to be able to have guys who can support Luca when he's not taking every shot and where he's not taking, you know, 45 to 50% of the shots. And frankly, I don't think Luca wants to do that. I don't think he, I yeah. don't think he wants to do that. I think he wants to pass the ball. You know, he would love to have a game where he has 28 points and 15 assists. You know, he'd, he'd love to have those, those James Harden type of games, but guys got to be able to make shots in order to be able to do that. And so it's, it's an interesting balance. I think that they're, uh, that they're looking at because they don't have that player that you're talking about on the roster right now. There are players out there and clearly they took a pretty good look at Dennis Schroeder uh, over at, um, at Eurobasket. He's played very well for Germany this summer. Um, you know, Dorsey looks like he can handle the ball a little bit. I don't know that he's an initiator per se. Uh, you know, Eric Bledsoe is still available and he might be able to give you the, the defensive Quotient that uh, that Jason might be looking for, even if his shooting is kind of iffy. Um, I, I, I think overall, you know, once they lost Brunson, they felt like they could get that player anytime. It didn't matter whether it was, July 15th, September 15th, January 15th. They, they could get that player and they, they it's, it's almost as if they feel like they can be patient enough and play this thing out. And before they ultimately have to make a call.
2: Well just branching off of that let me ask you this I got to get your take on it because you know we've we've seen many many Mavs fans you know uh, express their feelings on it throughout the summer but if if you, do you think if the Mavs went back knowing what they know right now you know what they've seen in Eurobasket play do you think they'd try a little bit harder to get Goran Dragic or do you think that was you know they're kind of stuck it was reported that You know, they, they taught with him in free agency, but it wasn't the role that Dragic wanted. He wanted something, you know, like 20 minutes per game or something like that. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Uh, Do do you think if they went back knowing what they know now, seeing how good he still looks at age 36, that there would be some, some different uh, things go on there. Or you think that that's pretty much where they had their mindset.
1: It's like, I'm sure they're, they're looking at it on, on that level, but also, OK, he's he's much more important to Slovenia's team than he is to than he would be to the Mavericks. You know, so how, how does he how does that play out? Um, you know, the the FIBA game is a different game than than the NBA game. And, I, and I'm sure, you know, they just can't get out of their head what they saw last year uh, when he played for the Nets. He was terrible. He, other than the game, actually, that he played against the Mavericks. He was actually very yeah. <laughs> good in Brooklyn, but uh, the rest of the time, he was not very good. Um, and so, I mean, I, I'm sure they're you know, they, they're probably not as hardened as they might have been back on July 15th when, when all, or July 3rd, whenever it was, when all of this went down. But at the same time, I think they feel like, whether it's Goran Dragic, or Dennis Schroeder, Eric Bledsoe, or you know, Patrick Beverly was obviously available for trade before. Ultimately, he was traded to the Lakers. That player is out there, and and, and that player can be found. And I th- I just think ultimately that's the attitude that they're that they're taking.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed.
3: Support your journey to wellness at bioptimizers dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
2: Just branching off of what we've talked about with the with the roster needs, and you know, like you said, when they when they lost Brunson, it was kind of a almost like a mindset, like okay, well, we can replace this whenever we need to, no rush, whatever. Uh, so as the roster sits right now, you know, as as currently constructed with Tim Hardaway Jr. coming back completely healthy, he, uh, from what I've seen, you know, in clips, and I know you don't want to overreact to stuff that you see during the summer, but, you know, just physically from what he's been posting online and everything this summer, it looks like he's in great shape. He's ready to go. Uh, Christian Wood, JaVel McGee, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, you've seen stuff from them, uh, they look great. They look like they're ready to hit the ground running. Luca is obviously in fantastic shape and doing his thing, you know, at Eurobasket. So, as this roster currently sits, I mean, what are your expectations for the Mavs this regular season? Because the West, uh, you know, is getting healthier overall. Uh, the Clippers are back. The the Nuggets are back. Uh, so, what are you looking for for the Mavs this season?
1: I mean, look, as long as Luca plays. And plays enough games. I mean, I think he's going to have to play at least seventy games. You know, hopefully he's going to play more. But you know, again, he's he's going through such a you know such a gamut right now uh, and a gauntlet. Gauntlet's the correct word Uh, right now in Eurobasket. That I I have a feeling that at the beginning of the season they're going to be you know a little bit careful with him because they know they got to get to the finish line with him. Uh, But as you say, the West. Granted, you know, San Antonio's no good. Utah's no good. Um, Oklahoma City, you know, w- w- I think, was going to be a pain in the butt. But without uh, Chet Holmgren, they'll probably be tanking after the All Star break. Um, Mavericks don't play them after the All Star break, of course. So they'll, they'll be somewhat. You know, they could be somewhat troublesome. Um, I mean, look, if Luke is playing, they have the ability to be a top four team in the West. As long, as long as he's out there, he can make things happen. I think he'll be a top-four team in the West. How healthy is he going to be? How many games is he going to play? You know, everything, you know, we, we look at everything so different now, you know, through that prism, you know, where we never had to worry about that before. We just, some guy, guys were going to play. And even with, the, you know, fewer back-to-backs and what have you, you know, they're still finding ways to sit guys out. Uh, you, you tell me how healthy they are. And especially how healthy Luca is, and then I think I can give you a better answer. But and and the thing is, I think you could say that for every team in the West, uh, you know, save for Jokic, who always plays, he, who always plays, never gets hurt, right? But uh, you t- tell me, is, is Steph Curry going to be? He- is he going to be healthy? Is he you know, or is he going to miss all but five games like he did the year before? Wasn't very good when he missed all but five games the year before. Um, you know, you tell me. Uh, you know, t- tell me that Kawhi is going to be healthy. I mean, how many games is Kawhi going to play, that Paul George is going to play? I just – I don't know the answer to that, but Luka Doncic is certainly – he's one of the five best players in the NBA, and he may be a little higher up on the on the pantheon than that these days. And as long as he's playing, then they have a chance to be quite good. And if he's not playing, well, then they're, they're going to be fighting – For things farther down the ladder and, you know, fighting even to stay out of the plan. So, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I hate to be so ambivalent about that, but, uh, but I really have learned over time injuries are everything and, and availability availability is everything, not just even, you know, the injuries that keep you out, but uh, you know, when teams decide to uh, rest players, and indeed how they perform when their star players don't play you know last year the Mavericks actually kind of they kept their heads above water uh when, when Luka didn't play after after a bad start you know once things got better after the uh, uh you know, after he came back the, the few games that he did not play in they they still played well and they were able to win uh, but again it's it's all about availability
2: and I mean last year too and another thing that could potentially you know, impact availability, not just with the Mavs and Luca specifically, but the league overall, is you know, the the COVID protocol stuff isn't what it was the last two seasons too. And you know, Luca, he hasn't he played 72 games in his rookie season. And then since then, you know, you had the shortened season in his sophomore year. He played 61 and then 66 in 2020, 2021, and then last year 65. If it hadn't been for the for him entering COVID protocols last year, uh, right after he had his ankle injury, you know he probably plays seventy games and the Mavs have a couple extra wins,
1: you know, tacked yeah, onto their yeah, and probably probably finish you know finish ahead of Golden State, right? Know? And and so again, it, it means it means everything for everybody. I mean, again, say even a team like New Orleans, you tell me that Zion's going to be available for 70 games well <laughs> they all of a sudden became, become a real pain in the butt you know again uh, in the in the Clippers case you tell me that Kawhi is going to be available for set for 70 games and Paul is going to be available for 70 games they're really good they're really good so it's you know we, we all we all do this because we feel like we have to do it you know you know where, where do they rank and all that but it really is a meaningless exercise in the quick because we don't know who's playing and who's not.
2: Well, I have a couple more things here for you and then we'll we'll get you out of here, Coop. But uh, one has to do with Christian Wood specifically because, you know, we talked a little bit about him earlier, but uh, from my perspective, it seems like, you know, he, he still has a lot to prove, but, in my opinion, I feel like he's a better pick and roll player than KP was uh, when he was here, and he's a better three point shooter too. You know, KP, he's I think the highest he ever shot from three in Dallas was thirty five percent, and right. Christian there's, was there's at thirty nine. As much,
1: much as we love KP taking yeah. threes and the, and the concept <laughs> of it, because he did shoot it so easily, it didn't go in as much as they probably should have, and especially right. prior to the prior to the trade.
2: Yeah, so given that you know, given those two factors there, that that he's a better three-point shooter and he he really thrives in pick and roll situations you know to me it feels like he's going to be a, a seamless fit from day one now obviously there's some some talk I don't know if you saw it earlier this summer about you know whether he's going to start or come off the bench or you know what I don't know what that dynamic is going to be like but I mean where, where do you see his fit either way you know whether he's a starter or if he's coming off the bench is like a six man
1: well, he's not going to start. Javale's going to start the game, and basically, Javale is going to take on the Dwight Powell minutes. You know, the, those tw- twenty minutes or uh, or so. You know, six minutes in the first quarter, uh, you know, three in the second, and do the same thing in the th- in the third and fourth quarters. Uh, and and he'll take on he'll take on that role. Uh, I love the Wood trade for all the reasons that you pointed out. He's in a contract year. Uh, he's never been on a good team. He will absolutely be playing with the best player that he will ever be able to play with in all likelihood. And that player can get him paid. So, um, from, from an offensive standpoint, his, he, you know, he can create a little bit off the bounce, uh, which makes him even a different pick and roll partner than, uh, than, you know, Powell, uh, Powell's been or Maxie or any, any of those other guys, because he can actually put the ball on the floor. And get himself to the rim and do some stuff. Uh, the the biggest question will be uh, how well does he guard? And there have been issues there. He's you know the one the difference between him and Porzingis. You know, say what you will about Porzingis, he tremendous weak side shot blocker. I mean, just just tremendous. And we you know we kind of saw that toward the end of the year. You know, especially in the game that Washington beat the Mavericks, I and mean, he was terrific in that game. And I don't know if you saw his. Uh, uh, there was one game that he was playing for Lithuania, uh, uh, before the, uh, not Lithuania,
2: uh, Latvia. Yeah. Latvia. Yeah. I saw it.
1: Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> where he had like 25 points, 11 rebounds and six blocks in about 20 minutes. And, you know, he was just absolutely <laughs> devastating. And again, you know, the FIBA rules make that easier because there's no illegal defense in FIBA and you can play bigs around the rim. Um, but tell me how Christian Wood is going to guard. And I know he's been working with Sean Sweeney pretty much every day, you know, going, going over stuff because I think he knows how important it is. Um, He's clearly been told, you know, what what's going to happen here, at least at the start of the season, how how that rotation for him is going to play out. Um, But I think he can't help but be a good guy. You know, he can't do the nonsense that he did in Houston that got him, you know, sent to the locker room and then suspended for a game by by Stephen Silas last year. He can he can't do he knows he has to be on his best behavior and he knows he has to play his butt off in order to get paid. And it and it is shown that he can contribute to winning then given his skill set, I mean, he becomes he becomes a very expensive player next year. And you know what? And the and the Mavericks are willing to take that gamble. That, that he will be an expensive player for them, then they'll have his bird rights and they'll be able to you know, do whatever it is they want to do with. Uh, I, I'm really intrigued to watch him play and see, you know, what kind of fit he is, uh, you know, not even so much playing with JaVale, but I think it, it, you can certainly imagine late game situations where he and Maxie are on the floor together oh, yeah. you know, as the, as the four and five and pretty much interchangeable in, in that role. And I think, Ultimately, a lot of what we're going to see, and especially in the first, say, 50 to 55 games of the year, is going to be Jason Kidd doing what he did last year. What did Jason say last year? He said, it's an 82-game experiment to get us ready for the playoffs, right? Well, right. I think that's pretty much what you're going to see here. Where, you know, he's going to be trying things, and we're going to look at him and – we're going to say, like, what is he doing? What is? He doing? <laughs> but there's, there's obviously methods of the madness that right. he's trying to get answers that he can then apply to whatever it is he's going to do in the playoffs. And, and again, even when you get to the playoffs, everything is so matchup based that, you know, there, there could be a reason for Jason to start Christian Wood in the playoffs and have McGee come off the bench. I mean, Everything. I think that's the thing that we've seen about Jason. He is, he is not so rigid as to uh, say that, uh, you know, this is the only way we're going to play. You know, I think we saw it just in rotations in the the playoffs, just different, how different players were used and when they came in the game. And I think you're going to see a lot of that this year. Again, a lot of experimentation to try to find the right answers.
2: Yeah, even with Dwight Powell, you know, he he started every playoff game. But if you go and look at the at the box scores sure. at, at the time played, it was just constantly going down with each right. series. So it, it even even if it, I don't really care, like you said, you know, it doesn't really matter as much who starts. Uh, the finishing lineups is what matters the most, and I think he'll he'll do a good job tinkering with that and figuring out what's best. But uh, you know, if, if if Wood shows that he can. Be a, a decent defender. I'm not even going to say great defender. You, you know, if he can just show he has that he's willing,
1: he has right. to be willing, Dalton. It's kind of like Luca. Like last year, listen, no one's ever going to call Luca, you know, all defense, even if he was trying to campaign for it later in the year, right? And yeah. with it. But uh, I, look, he, you know, he's not Gary. Luca's not Gary Payton, okay? And, um, and Christian Wood is not Rudy Gobert. But you just have to be willing. You have to be willing within the team concept to do the things that you have to do to, to make it as good as you can. And I think, you know, one thing the Mavericks were able to do last year, in a lot of ways, I think they simplified things. and They made it easier for their players uh, defensively so that they could actually perform at a higher level. And, uh, you know, Rick Carlisle used to say this all the time. And I I think it's absolutely true. Your your team basically has to be, it doesn't have to be the best defense in the league, uh, but you really do need to be around the top 10 and the Mavericks for certainly the second half of last year uh, were were a top 10 defense. And they got, uh, they got exposed a bit by, by Golden State. Uh, And certainly even at times Phoenix, uh, it really exposed them uh, in the playoffs, but, but they know uh, that they have to be, you know, certainly respectable at that end of the floor. Uh, Because I think, you know, the the offense is going to be fine. Uh, it, It really is. I mean, it's, it seems almost impossible that this team will not be able to will struggle to score uh, given all the weapons that they have and frankly, all the open shots that Luca is going to create for his teammates, let alone the shots that he ultimately creates for himself.
2: Well, and I mean, we talk about the the secondary ball handler situation, but you know, even if they have a guy like Josh Green who takes the next step and they have another serviceable wing, who can do some good things and take some of the pressure off of uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock, you know, that would help a ton too because, I, in my opinion, I mean, there, there were a lot of breakdowns in that Golden State series, but I felt like a lot of it was fatigue-related because Dorian Finney-Smith and, and Bullock, they were playing yeah, – the they were playing the most minutes been. of anybody yeah. <laughs> in the That's entire true. NBA in yeah. the playoffs, so well, I feel well, like it was a
1: – You know, you, you mentioned Josh Green, and this is a huge year for him. I mean, this is the put-up-or-shut-up year for him. Uh, you know, there were times last year that certainly after, um, you know, after Christmas, the, the, the game uh, against the Trailblazers, that got him going, and, you know, really for a month or two, he was – he provided that energy that you have to have in an 82-game season because you're just not going to have that energy. But what is his skill set? You know, what can, can he handle the ball well enough? Uh, can he – You know, can he create for himself or others? Um, You know, he's, you know, he's the guy that never loses a 50-50 ball, which is, you know, which is clearly what you love. But we saw in the playoffs, as related with Josh Green and related with Neil Akina, teams were willing to let them take those corner threes. They didn't care because they didn't think they could make them. And Josh Green has to show that he can make them. And I think the jury is very much out. On whether or not he can make them. If if he makes those shots, then everything else that he does uh, in, in, on that intangible level is is going to follow through. But if he can't, and and I know I mentioned Tyler Dorsey earlier, it's like I'm I'm really curious to see. The Mavericks aren't playing very many preseason games this year. They're only playing three, which is the fewest I think other than in a, a lockout year that they've ever played. Uh, so uh, I'm really curious to see kind of Dorsey and Green, um, and he, and even Hardaway, you know, in that it's just, you know, what does that look like? And listen, if, if Dorsey plays like he played like he has played all summer, it's a very nice problem for the Mavericks. To have.
2: Yeah, and I mean he's taken it up a notch in Eurobasket play, but even the last season he played
1: uh in Olympia. Yeah he, yeah. Yeah. he, he yeah, shot he's, listen, he, he's been good. The two, you know, he was at uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv uh, the first year. He was at Olymp- Olympiakos last year. I mean, his, his shooting has drastically improved. Uh, his handle seems to have tightened up considerably. And, the, and, again, the question is, you know, how well will he guard? We don't really – we're not quite sure of that on the NBA level. Uh, but, again, here's a guy who uh, he turned down uh, a pretty good contract. At Olympiacas, a multi-year deal, you know, worth a couple million, you know, at Olympiacas to take a two-way deal, you know, because he believes he's an NBA player. So I mean, he's he's coming in hungry. I mean, he's coming in looking for real NBA money, not just not just two-way NBA money. And,
2: and people so- people want to say stuff about his age. You know, he's twenty-seven years old. But I mean, NBA players, especially like role-type players, uh, you, you know, people don't have the same path. As others, you know, some people do go overseas and get seasoned well and, you know, come back and they can make an impact later on if they improve the way they need to. So, you know, hopefully hopefully, Dorsey is one of those guys. You know, if, if he plays anywhere close to what he's shown this summer and what he did last season overseas, I mean, the Mavs, they, they could have themselves a, a diamond in the rough situation there as far as role players go. But
1: I, I, uh, I, will, I, will, I will tell you, though, that to me, there is nothing more – overrated than the concept of age teams should never ever ever be looking at the concept of age until they like get into their mid to late 30s because the bottom line is and especially as it relates to draft choices you know either you can play or you can't play if you play and you play well whether you're 22 when you're drafted and then 26 when you're when you're contracted you're, you're going to get signed you know you're going to sign that player. That's that's all you can worry about. This can he play? Whether he's 18 or 22, really is should or at least it should be immaterial to the discussion. And yet it becomes apparently in many on many NBA teams an extraordinarily important discussion to have.
2: And that's a great tie-in to our last topic here, Coop, because we got some news earlier today. Uh, that the Mavs have extended Maxi Kleba. It's a three-year extension worth $33 million. It'll take him through uh, when he's 34 years old. Uh, But I mean, look, he's he's still got a lot left in the tank. He struggled a little bit last year. He had some some back and ankle issues, I believe. Uh, He was in COVID protocols for a while, so it was an up and down year for him. But man, did he make up for it in the postseason uh, with his three-point shooting. So I wanted to get your thoughts on the extension. I personally think it's a heck of a deal for the Mavs. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing the terms of the deal, you know, see if, if it, you know, goes down over time or if maybe the third year is non guaranteed like this last contract he had. But overall, what's your thoughts on the Maxi extension?
1: Maxi's Max really important to this team because he, he can shoot. He can shoot. Uh, he loses his confidence at times, but he can shoot. And he can guard he's he's even though he's not a great rebounder for his size. I mean, you wish he was a better rebounder for his size, but at least he's switchable, you know, in pick and roll basketball, which you have to be in the NBA to, to play as a big. So he he's really important to what they do. Uh, you know, right now, I mean, it's it's hard to imagine him not being on the floor in late game situations like we were talking about earlier. Uh, just because of that reliability defensively. Um, and the number, at least as reported, doesn't seem to be uh, very difficult at all. And especially when you know that the the salary cap is going up, there's going to be a new TV deal that's coming in. Although I, don't, I think that may take place the last year of his deal as presently. I don't remember exactly how many years are left on the TV deal, but the cap's going up and we know that. Uh, so it fits well within their structure, and frankly, if the Mavericks are uh, ready to pull the trigger on some type of big deal, I mean his his money and his talent uh, become very very attractive to to different teams. I, I would have to believe that that's the case. So I, I think it's it, you know Maxie gets the security of money the Mavericks get the security of knowing that they have a player that they trust and they know they can put on the floor and they have the ability now to uh, use that money uh, in case they're interested in doing something pretty significant in the trade market, because that's a player that can be usable uh, to other NBA teams.
2: And even if that's not this year, you know, after the draft next summer, when that pick conveys to New York, all types of possibilities open Absolutely. up for the Mavs.
1: <laughs> and I think, you know, to, to to that extent, you know, I think we all understand, the Mavericks understand, that the, the clock is ticking uh, as it relates to Luca and his contract and, and just how successful they're going to be. And, and as a result, how happy does that make him and does he want to stay and this, that, and the other. But really, uh, it's the, – the Mavericks probably – have two years i would think to try to find that that robin you know to, right. his, to his batman and so it doesn't necessarily even have to be next summer but at some point you know they're going to have to show him kind of like what uh, milwaukee did when uh, when they got through holiday and whether it's Maxi's contract or you know anybody anybody else's contract, you know uh, Dinwiddie's contract, Bertanza's contract, whatever, the, the most important aspect I think, as we've seen this summer, is the availability of draft choices. You know the the now again, sh- should people be valuing draft choices as much as they do? You know maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't. But uh, you look at what Milwaukee did with uh, in the Drew Holiday trade. And, you know, was, he, was Giannis going to stay prior to that? Don't know, but you know what? Uh, he saw that they did what they did uh, with Holiday. They went out and won a championship. He went out and, you know, did, he did his extension, so there would be no freeing because he likes the team that's there. So, you know, you have to have all of your ducks lined up in order to really, you know, make the deal that you want to make because as much as I think we all are thinking in, in, in the short term, you know, that, you know, they got to do something this year because they that, they got to address the, the, uh, the ball handler issue this year. If that costs them capital in order to do that, what's the point? You know, it, it's like the next trade they have to make as much as we thought the Porzingis acquisition from the Knicks was big, you know, back in uh, January of twenty twenty nineteen uh this next trade whenever it comes is is going to blow that one out of the water by a significant margin and you have to be able to have you know everything available to you to do that
2: yeah and i think i think you know general manager nico harrison i think he's done an excellent job given what he inherited you know it, it, they're still hurting from that kp trade but like i said you know once that once that final pick conveys next summer, that opens up a whole lot of different sure. possibilities, and he can kind of he can kind of really start doing his thing then. So we'll we'll see what they come up with. But, uh, Coop, man, I appreciate you so much for coming on here and joining me today. Uh, I hope we can do it again sometime. Had a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, that this is the the voice of the Dallas Mavericks, Chuck Cooper staying, You can find him uh, on Twitter at Coop Mavs. Uh, Coop, anything else before we take off here?
1: No, nope. just uh, just really excited to get this going. I think they're excited to get it going, and I will say this. Um, it's so much better when you're playing basketball for six additional weeks because even as long as this offseason has seemed, it's just think about it when you're ending in mid-April and you're, and you're just dying a thousand oh, yeah. deaths waiting for the season to come around. So uh, let's just hope that, uh, you know, Memorial Day next year that uh, the Mavericks are playing, and they're playing for something big, and they're in a better spot than they were at Memorial Day this year (laughs) against Golden State, and and we're thinking about something bigger, and maybe that possibility exists as long as 77 is playing for them.
2: Exactly. If Luka's healthy, you know, I think he's kind of proved to all of us that anything is possible. As as
1: Randy Galloway famously said about Dirk, Dirk saves all (laughs) butts, and that's probably true with Luka too. (laughs)
2: Well, Coop, I appreciate you joining me yet again. We'll have to do it again sometime, man. Thanks a bunch.
1: Dalton, thanks for having me. Take care. Yes, sir. We'll see you.
2: All right, guys, that's going to do it for another episode of the Math Step Back Podcast. Uh, be sure to like, rate, subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, uh, you're automatically entered for a chance to win uh, gear. You know, we got the Step Back t-shirts. We got another uh, a handful of designs that we do on there, so... Uh, Be sure to go and check that out. Leave us a review. We appreciate y'all coming in and listening every single week. And uh, we'll see you next time. Y'all have a good one.